0: Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code radio20 at bloomberglive.com slash greenfestival.
1: This is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily Bloomberg iHeart podcast. And I'm Stacey Marie Ishmel, managing editor of Crypto for Bloomberg News. It's Monday, December 5th. The company of money in politics in the U.S. is real and well-established. And that includes when that money is either in the form of crypto or comes from people who made their fortunes in digital assets. The recently concluded U.S. midterm elections featured several candidates, including winning ones, whose campaigns were financed in part by crypto-related donors and donations. Among those donors, Sam Bankman-Fried and Ryan Salame of FTX who supported candidates on opposite ends of the political spectrum, to be clear. The collapse of FTX has now led to some of those same politicians and lawmakers who received donations from people like Bankman, Fried, and Salami to attempt to distance themselves entirely from their benefactors. For more on the state of crypto, money, and politics in the U.S., we're joined by Bloomberg reporters Allison Versprill
2: Sam bankman fried gave about $39 million uh, during the midterms, almost all of it to Democrats. Um, but Ryan gave, you know, about $23 million, mostly to Republicans.
3: And Bill Allison. If you look at the numbers, I mean, it's the FTX donors, there were three big donors. They represented about 80 percent of everything that crypto gave during the cycle.
1: Bill, welcome back to the podcast. Please reintroduce yourself to our audiences.
3: I'm Bill Allison. I cover uh, politics and campaign finance.
1: And Ali, great to have you back on the show.
2: I'm Allison Versprill and I cover crypto regulation. So,
1: you know, between regulation and campaign finance and politics, some things have been happening recently, I think it's fair to say. Bill, for people who don't sort of obsessively follow the twists and turns of either campaign finance or U.S. politics. Can you just do a quick scene setter? What's been happening and what are the interconnections that you're observing between crypto and U.S. politics right now?
3: Well, we just had a midterm election, which is when, um, uh, generally speaking, the party that holds the White House loses a lot of seats in Congress. And and this is to elect basically the House and the Senate. Um, and. We were expecting and even, you know, a lot of people predicting a red wave for Republicans to do really well, uh, taking the House by a wider margin, uh, taking the Senate. And instead, we kind of had a status quo midterm. Um, Democrats mm-hmm. are right now, even where they were in the Senate, they may even pick up one more seat. And Republicans have narrowly won the House. Now, what this means for Washington is that we're going to be in a, a state of, uh, of gridlock. That's about where we are right now, and you know, crypto kind of falls into the middle of this because it is going to be an issue in the next Congress, given what's happened. Uh in, uh, with FTX.
1: A lot of development since the stunning collapse of former billionaire Sam Bankman frieds FTX empire last week. One of the two biggest crypto exchanges in the world is no more. There are now reports of unauthorized withdrawals of funds after FTX and related entities were placed in bankruptcy. And that suggests that customers who are not able to withdraw funds are unlikely to recover much. There of their have been deposit. accusations
2: that it was misappropriating funds um, using its tithe. With Alameda Research, the trading arm that was also founded by Sam Bankman-Fried, and so we've definitely seen um, failures across the board. That's now rippling throughout the crypto markets broadly, um, and we're starting to see other companies suffer as well. So it's been a uh, busy few weeks in the in the crypto space. If uh, that might be the understatement of the century. <laughs>
1: As all of us can confirm the the level of busyness. And, you know, Bill, just to go back to your point. So the folks who were elected or not elected in some cases, roughly, what was the split in terms of either whether they were kind of funded by crypto money or had taken positions on crypto in one way or the other?
3: So, uh, you know, crypto candidates did reasonably well, um, uh, you know, among the people that they backed were like, for example, John Fetterman, uh, the uh, Senate candidate from Pennsylvania, Democrat, Uh, He won his election. Um, A lot of the people that were backed by something called the GMI PAC and the Web3 Forward PAC, House and Senate candidates, did well. So, you know, a lot of things broke the way that the crypto industry wanted. But we're only talking really about, you know, maybe, you know, 15, 20 people. And in a Congress of, you know, 435 House members and 100 senators, that's not definitive. But this is sort of how things go in Washington that you kind of get the beachhead of people who care about your issue and know about your industry uh, in place. And then, you know, the idea is that then you would work with the lobbyists or they would work with the lobbyists and other folks who are part of the, the government relations people of from that industry who would, you know, basically spread the word to other members of Congress. And, uh, you know, so, so in that sense, I mean, I think that crypto was able to do what it wanted to.
1: You know, one of the things that has not necessarily been clear is that there is like a unified crypto ask, as it were, Right. And a big criticism levied against Sam Bankman-Fried is that he had positioned himself as this person who was advocating for certain types of regulation, ostensibly on behalf of the whole crypto industry, but in, in terms of the details in ways that would have benefited his particular slice of that industry in particular. Are there other things that over the course of the midterms or at least the candidacy of the midterms that you saw sort of emerge as campaign issues? If I would put it another way, like, did the average person voting in these elections, were they voting on like because I'm pro or against Bitcoin, or was it just that these candidates happened to have money flowing into them from crypto candidates? If that makes
2: sense,
3: I would say it's it's much more the latter. I mean, there 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 weren't really people who were running strictly on crypto. I mean, you know, uh, you know, getting back to John Fetterman, I mean, a lot of his campaign was that his opponent. Was had moved to the state recently from New Jersey. so His opponent, we, Dr. Oz. His opponent, yes, Dr. Oz, the, the celebrity physician. Um, so, you know, and, you know, when we talk to people who are, you know, we're kind of in the space in the political realm, you know, when they're looking for candidates, it's not necessarily that they're looking for experts on crypto or people who are, um, you know, completely immersed in the industry. But what they were looking for was, you know, kind of younger candidates, people who were open to crypto. Maybe they had a, a friend who invested you know a lot of this, the, the super PAC kind of candidate recruitment stuff that went on, um, and and you know, and in terms of backing the candidates, it's not really candidate recruitment, but you know, choosing candidates, they were just looking for people who would be open to, uh, you know, open to and understand and have some basic background in crypto, and obviously, um, you know think that it's something that's important and needs to go forward. But when you get into the nitty gritty of what, you know, American politicians run their campaigns on, I mean, it's a lot of negative ads and a lot of mudslinging. (laughs) And, uh, you know, this is not the place where you have serious policy discussions about uh, digital assets.
2: And I'll just back up that point. I think think the strategy going forward is going to be to continue targeting these younger candidates Um, I talked to the executive director of the Blockchain Association, which recently launched their own PAC that we expect will be more active in sort of the coming elections. And that was essentially what they laid out to me, that they feel like these older lawmakers are not as receptive to maybe new technologies. And so that's really what they're targeting. Um, I guess it remains to be seen now what the attitude's like, uh, given everything that's been happening in crypto and the, you know, more recent calls for regulation. But we'll have to see how that shapes up.
1: Well, to that point, there's an interesting thing that happens in politics, but also I think in general, where someone can go from like hero to zero in a very short amount of time. And as we've been reporting, various of the folks who had previously been like tripping over themselves to be in photo ops with Bankman fried are now like, To quote Mariah Carey famously, I don't know her. Um, How is that shaping up going into, you know, this next round of things? Are you going to see or are you already seeing a sense that crypto is now being like perceived as this toxic asset that nobody wants to touch? Or is it opening up the discussion about here's actually why we need to engage with digital assets more seriously?
2: I think we're seeing a couple things. I mean, you're definitely seeing... Uh, lawmakers distancing themselves from Sam Bankman-Fried. So a good example of that is Senator Dick Durbin was one of those people who received uh, contributions from Sam. And he's now saying that he's going to give that money to charity. Um, He's also one of the ones leading some of the probes into Bankman-Fried along with Senator Elizabeth Warren. They're both seeking more information on what happened when the company collapsed. Um, So you're definitely Mm -hmm. seeing kind of a, a turning of the tables I think we're also seeing this getting highly politicized. Um, you have Missouri Republican Josh Hawley is now sort of coming after Democrats who took money from Bankman fried and looking for information from federal agencies and Democrats that were engaging with him. Um, worth noting that it wasn't only Democrats that were receiving money from FTX. Obviously, Ryan Salome uh, was a big don- donor as well, and he gave almost exclusively exclusively to Republicans. So everyone is sort of caught up in this.
1: And Ryan Salome, of course, being one of the co-CEOs, of one of the FTX-related entities, um, FTX Trading, which he helped Sam Bankman-Fried set up being this major Republican donor, as you've identified.
2: Yes, that's right. I mean, we saw that Sam Bankman-Fried gave about $39 million uh, during the midterms, almost all of it to Democrats. Um, But Ryan gave you know, about $23 million, mostly to Republicans. So um, it was still a lot of money coming to the Republican side as well.
1: Coming up, more on crypto's influence on regulation and politics in the US with Alison Verspril and Bill Allison.
3: Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE.
0: Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon, official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com/slash GreenFestival.
1: Now, going into 2023, even 2024, we're sort of staring down a presidential election somehow. <laughs> I feel like we're somehow always in a presidential election. Given the dynamics that you've both just described, and Bill, I'll ask you this first, do you expect, given kind of the state of crypto right now, where valuations are, where sentiment is, that you will see the record highs of donations from crypto affiliated groups that we've been seeing for previous cycles? Or do you think that was kind of like the top of that level of giving from this industry?
3: If you look at the numbers, I mean, it's the FTX donors. There were three big donors. They represented about 80% of everything that crypto gave during this cycle. I mean, you know, that altogether it was about, you know, 80 some million dollars. And, you know, they, they were basically providing the bulk of it. Um, so the fact that they may not be in the position to donate, that was obviously going to put a big crimp in and how, you know, how much money this industry is going to put into politics. But that being said... There's all kinds of different ways to have a big footprint in Washington. One of the, you know, the the traditional way, you know, if you look at a a financial firm, I'm just going to pick them, uh, you know, Goldman Sachs, which has been very influential, has a strong presence in Washington, has lobbyists, has a political action committee. Goldman Sachs folks aren't making million-dollar contributions to super PACs. They're making contributions to party committees. They're making contributions to candidates. They're making contributions to leadership PACs. They have an active political action committee. And that's really, I think, where you may see crypto going is instead of being this this big splash, you know, three people giving tens of millions of dollars, you're going to see a lot a lot of smaller donors, but having, a, you know, potentially having a bigger, more distributed impact.
2: And I would say it probably also depends on where we stand on the regulatory and legislative front the next time we have an election, right? If, if there's mm-hmm. still a lot up in the air and there's potential to you know, influence um, what's going on on Capitol Hill or at these agencies, then I think you could see a lot of crypto um, executives giving money in an attempt to sway the narrative there.
1: If they still have money. (laughs) That is true. (laughs) (laughs) We shall just have to see which way markets go. Bill, just as a kind of a, a closing thought for you, as someone who's covered campaign finance for such a long time, can you think of any other industries that sort of kind of came out of nowhere as it relates to giving? Like, did we see something like this in the, you know, the, the middle days of tech, for instance? Because, you know, folks are always trying to, you know, figure out, like, what is crypto like? And at least in terms of this part of the market, are there progenitors, as it were, for this level of, of giving from a relatively new industry and asset class?
3: I mean, you know, the the things that it most reminds me of, I mean, you know, tech is an example where Microsoft had the, you know, almost a monopoly in terms of, you know, not just software for your operating system, but also things like browsers and Microsoft Word and the Office Suite. And they had hardly any presence in Washington at all until Washington started to get interested in them and started investigating them for antitrust. And Microsoft went from hardly lobbying at all to building up like almost overnight uh, they had a, their DC office. They had their pack. They were giving lots of money. And, you know, that's the sort of the, um, that's sort of the, I, I don't know if I would necessarily call it positive, but that's kind of like the, <laughs> the successful version of it. A less successful version, and this was a company that had been around for a long time was Enron, where you have, mm. you know, they're in this like, you know, new deregulated world of, of utilities and natural gas and, And they had very close ties to the Bush family going all the way back. You know, Ken Lay, who was the company's CEO, was George H.W. Bush's uh, head of finance. So he was his top fundraiser. They were the biggest patron for George W. Bush when he was in Texas in terms of campaign contributions and donations and whatnot. And when that company collapsed... Everybody walked away from it. I mean, George W. Bush said that he hardly knew anybody at Enron. And I, I guess the point is, it's not necessarily, you know, one company, although obviously Enron was you know a huge story at the time. But, you know, you can walk away from a company, but not necessarily the industry.
1: And just because everything in finance is somehow a circle, the person who helped liquidate Enron and get cash back to those creditors, John... J. Ray Third is now doing that for FTX. So as one does, here we are. Well, thank you both very much. It's always a pleasure having you on. And I'm sure we'll have you back again soon since there is so much in this area to talk about. Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you. You can find more of their reporting on the Bloomberg Terminal and on Bloomberg.com. And of course, check out our twice weekly newsletter, which is called, you guessed it, Bloomberg Crypto. This is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartRadio. For more shows from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Send us your comments, questions, or suggestions for the show to crypto at Bloomberg.net. The supervising producer of Bloomberg Crypto is Vicky Vergolina. Our senior producer is Janet Babin. Our producers are Mohamed Farouk and Sharon Beriro. Our associate producers are Tai Butler and Moses Undum. Desta Wonderad is our engineer. Original music by Leo Sidron. I'm Stacey Marie Ishmael. We'll be back tomorrow.